Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yo, Beth. Yo, Beth. Yo, Beth. That shit crazy. On a Tuesday! It's All Even with your boy Barry Grant. You can catch me on Instagram and Twitter at All Even Podcast. You can listen to the show on SoundCloud as well as YouTube. So like, share, and subscribe to that. What a beautiful Tuesday we have. Lots to get into. NFL games on Sunday were really good. There's a lot of games that we're going to talk about. Monday Night Football was a doozy. We're going to discuss that and see exactly what the issue might be in Tampa Bay. There's also some NBA drama. And who was right in the thick of it again? The Clippers. Of course they are. And the greatest segment on the planet, Dummy of the Week. So let's just jump right into it. What a Sunday it was in regards to the NFL. Week 11 has some great games. I want to talk about those games. First game I want to talk about is going to be the Titans and the Ravens. Next game I want to talk about is going to be the Green Bay Packers and the Indianapolis Colts. And then the next game is going to be obviously the Monday night game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and those L.A. Rams. So the Titans beat the Ravens in overtime 30-24. to Ryan Tannehill has a great game, 259 yards, two touchdowns, interception. Derrick Henry ran all over the Ravens, 133 yards and a touchdown. Corey Davis had a great game, five catches, 113 yards. A.J. Brown got into the end zone. He had an impressive touchdown. He just wouldn't go down. So... There's a lot of things that this team does well. Defensively, they they did what they had to do, man. They shut down Lamar Jackson in that offense. Jackson had 186 yards passing, a touchdown interception. He wasn't impressive again for the second straight week. J.K. Dobbins, he had 70 yards on the ground. So, you know, they're not they're not able to dominate the line of scrimmage and dominate the running game the way they want to. And that's why you're starting to see them struggle in that passing game because the running game is not working. The play-action pass is not going to work. And the lanes are not going to be opened up for Lamar Jackson. Mark Andrews finally had a great game. Five catches, 96 yards and a touchdown. He, he's been like non-existent pretty much the entire season. And that's the Lamar Jackson factor. He has not been good. He has not been a good quarterback this year. And the team has struggled because of it. They're 6-4. and four. They're still... One of the teams vying for a playoff spot, but they're not the toast of the AFC. They're not one of the best teams to me, in my opinion, because the quarterback play is just too inconsistent. He won the MVP and everybody gave him the reins. Oh, Lamar Jackson's the best the best thing on the planet. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's not even close to it. He is a flawed football player, and that's okay, but we need to stop talking about him like he's Patrick Mahomes. He's not Patrick Mahomes. 
He's not at all. So let's let's kind of pump the brakes on on Lamar Jackson. Let's bring it back down to earth so we can actually have a fair assessment or opinion about how they're playing. If our level of expectation is too high, we're expecting him to be the greatest thing since sliced bread, then we're going to be disappointed every time out because he's not going to give you what he gave you last year. It's not going to happen. In regards to the Titans, you know what they do. They run the ball. They run the ball effectively. If they can't run the ball effectively, Ryan Tannehill becomes null and void. If they're running the ball effectively, which they pretty much do week in and week out, everything else works. You know, John o. Smith got into the end zone. There's a they have they have weapons here. I like their team. I like the toughness that they bring. And in overtime, when they got that ball, they just said, okay, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, game over. Like, you can't stop them. And you can see that the Ravens were tired. They were beat. And it's pretty much back to the drawing board for them. They have to fix some things. They have to see if they can be able to get this running game going. If they can be able to revitalize and rekindle that running game, they can now have some consistency throwing the football. But until then, they're going to struggle. You're going to see bad Lamar Jackson performances. You're going to see more inconsistent play out of this quarterback. And I'm not shocked at all because I'm not too high on him, man. Guido loves him. Mike Guido, oh, Lamar Jackson, he's great, great. Yeah, whatever, whatever. I, I, I don't see it. They gave him the MVP way too early. Nah, I'm okay with that. He needs more work. He needs to be put back into the oven. He needs to bake a little more. <laughs> he ain't ready yet. Next game after this is going to be the Green Bay Packers and the Indianapolis Colts. Colts win this game in overtime, 34-31. to this was, this was a shocker in my opinion. I mean, not saying that the Colts are not a good team. They're the best defense in football. But what we saw out of Phillip Rivers was definitely, you know, it was amazing. He had a great game. 288 yards, three touchdowns, an interception. Jonathan Taylor had 90 yards on the ground. Michael Pittman Jr. had 66 yards and a touchdown. I knew he would actually have an impact in this game. Michael Pittman Jr. is a hell of a receiver. He's a big body. He can move. So I knew that they were going to be able to, to get him in space and get him the football. And They have to continue to get him the football as much as possible, and the Colts will be fine. The Colts are they're legit. They're for real. And for the Green Bay Packers side, listen, Aaron Rodgers had a good game. 27 for 38, 311 yards, three touchdowns, an interception. Aaron Jones, though, 10 carries, 41 yards and a touchdown. Devontae Adams, seven catches, 106 yards and a touchdown. They were up 28 to 14 at halftime. And then in the third quarter, they could not move the chains. If the running game was on par on Sunday, the Packers don't lose this game. They control the time of possession. They control the game. They can be able to do whatever they want. Now the Colts are going to be in panic mode. They have to throw the ball as much as possible. And you want Phillip Rivers throwing the ball as much as possible because mistakes will happen. But what happened in that third quarter is that the, the Packers couldn't do anything. They were one, they, they were three and out, three and out. And then the Colts just continued to just chip away the lead, chip away the lead. And then at the end of the third quarter, they were down 28 to 25. That's exactly what the Colts team does. That defense gives you a chance to stay in football games because they get timely stops, they get turnovers, their special teams is great. Everything about this football team works. They're well coached, like I said. Frank Wright deserves coach of the year, in my opinion. He's just, he's got this unit 
running. They're flying. They're all over the place. So, you know, kudos to kudos to the Colts, man. They are they are legit. They are for real team. On the flip side of this, are the Packers in trouble? Are you concerned about the Packers? A little bit because when you see them play good teams, they tend to fall by the wayside a little bit. Like, granted, Tampa Bay is not a great team, but they got the doors blown off of them when they played the Bucks. Now they play the Colts. They end up being up 28-14 and lose a game. That's not that that doesn't happen to Aaron Rodgers and company often. So they have to fix that running game. They gotta make sure that they fix that running game because if they don't, they're gonna be in problems. They're gonna have some issues. They're gonna have some major issues going forward. And, you know, this has always been a thing in regards to the, the Packers as well, is that besides Devontae Adams, they don't have a another receiver that you can trust. Valdez Scantlin, he's good. He has his games where he puts up a line, seven, eight catches, 170 yards, but it's not consistent. They need a consistent number two guy. So, you know, maybe maybe Lazard can be that guy. I don't know. He just came off an injury. Maybe he can be able to step up next week, but they need something because if the running game is not going to be there, they have to have more weapons at wide receiver, and they don't have that right now. The fact that they don't have that puts a lot of pressure on the running game. And if Aaron Jones is not producing, they're going to be in trouble. As great as Aaron Rodgers is, he cannot save the day all the time. You need your running game to at least move the chains a little bit, and you need your defense to come up with some timely stops. They didn't do that in the second half. Neither run the ball well or get timely stops. So that's definitely always going to point towards a loss every time next game is going to be the Monday night football game between the Buccaneers and the Rams Rams win 27 to 24 Jared Goff has a decent game 376 yards three touchdowns two interceptions Malcolm Brown 20 yards they couldn't run the ball to save their life as a team they had 37 yards total but man was the air attack going Cooper Cup 11 catches 145 yards Robert Woods, 12 catches, 130 yards on a touchdown. They lit Tampa Bay up in regards to their top two receivers. And this is what I was talking about with Green Bay. If they have two guys that can be able to do this, nine times nine times out of ten, you're going to be able to possibly win a game, even if your running game is not working. But they have one guy. So the fact that the Rams got two guys like this that you can be able to get 23 catches out of, out of the 39 completions Golf had, 23 of them went to Woods and Cup. That is nuts. That is crazy. But that's exactly what the game plan called for. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers could not stop the pass. They couldn't do it. They couldn't get pressure on golf. And he sat back and he lit them up. Those screen passes lit them up. And Tampa Bay has problems. Because guess what? Tom Brady did not have a good game. 216 yards. Two touchdowns. Two interceptions. 26 for 48. Ronald Jones, 10 carries, 24 yards. Antonio Brown, 8 catches, 57 yards. Nobody had over 60 yards on this team receiving. It was all dink and dump because Brady could not get the ball downfield. In the third quarter, the Rams beat the hell out of Tom Brady. They had him on the ground. They 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 would just they they hit him hard in that third quarter. And you can see that he was gun shy. He did not want to get hit anymore. So when he saw that pressure, he was just flinging that ball up. He didn't want no parts 
of that defensive line getting in that backfield. And this is the problem when you have an aging quarterback like Tom Brady who cannot escape pressure. They don't, they don't throw the ball well downfield. So guys like Mike Evans, they get nullified. Guys like Chris Godwin, they get nullified. Guys like Antonio Brown get nullified. None of these guys are underneath receivers. Now, Antonio Brown can be an underneath receiver. That's fine, especially when you got those two guys on the outside. But if you can't get the ball to your outside guys by throwing the ball deep, you have a problem. And they've been having this issue all season. Mike Evans, five catches, 49 yards and a touchdown, 9.8 yards per average. Are you kidding me? Nobody but Gronkowski had over double digits yards per average in regards to the catch. This is a problem in Tampa Bay. They cannot do this dink and dump bullshit. And the fact that the running game is is stagnant, this is why Tom Brady struggles. When they played the Panthers, they didn't struggle. Why? Because Ronald Jones ran all over them. The running game was working, so Tom Brady was, was doing everything he wanted to do. He was looking good. But once that running game is compromised, Brady has to do more, and Brady at this point cannot do more. That's the problem. The Rams, the Rams on the other hand, they're, they're legit. They have a great defense. The only thing that you can actually question is Jared Goff. Jared Goff is not a great quarterback. He's a turnover-prone guy. If you punch him in the mouth early, nine times out of ten, he may not get up. So the Bucs, they didn't, they didn't punch him in the mouth. And he was able to get a lot of time and deliver the football. But this team all around, man, they're pretty good. They're pretty solid. I love Aaron Donald. I love this defense. I think they have the best two cornerbacks in the league with Ramsey and, the, and uh, what's the other kid's name? Williams. They got it going, man. They have something special here. Sean McVay is a great coach. So maybe maybe this is their year to, to, to break through. Maybe they get to the Super Bowl again. Maybe they win. Who knows? So a lot of question marks in the NFC. Who's actually the best team in the NFC? Don't really know. Could be the Packers one week. Be the Rams one week. Seahawks. Cardinals. That, that's why the NFC, to me, is very interesting because I think anybody can get to the Super Bowl. Every team that's in the NFC that actually is good, they're flawed. They have some flaw that doesn't make them perfect. And that's fine. So we're going to see exactly how it how it unfolds. Coming up after the break, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Was it actually smart for them to divorce each other? On a Tuesday, it's all even. I am so stressed because I hate my job. Let me guess, you're at a dead-end job and find it hard not to press the snooze button? Well, come down to Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have campuses in Westbury, New York, Boston, Connecticut, New Jersey, North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. Develop your skills in broadcast media that include audio production, television, radio, and sports broadcasting. Learn from industry professionals in a small, intimate class setting for a better experience. The hands-on training is second to none. And if you're worried about what to do after graduation, the Connecticut School of Broadcasting helps you to get job placement. Take it from me. It took me seven years to get here, and it's been the best time of my life. Go to GoCSB.com or dial 1-800-887-2346 for a studio tour. And who knows, maybe you'll be the next media superstar.
Welcome back, y'all. Divorces can go well. Divorces can go smooth. Divorces can go very, very bad. And divorces can be very ugly, toxic, where both parties are just not the same person anymore, right? But also, there can be some type of regret or a feeling of loss, like you're not complete, you're not whole, like I was better being in that, although it wasn't the best, and I was still better. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Tom Brady is 7-4 and four in Tampa Bay. Belichick is 4-6 and six in New England. Tom Brady is having success in Tampa Bay, absolutely. But he's not looking sharp. He doesn't have the the aura of protection that he did in New England, where nothing he did was wrong. Nothing he did was bad. Couldn't criticize them. Why? Because they were 8-1 and one or 9-2 and two or whatever the hell their record would be at this point. Tom Brady looks like he's happy. Looks like, you know, he can be able to spread his wings on social media. He's able to have some personality that he's never shown for the bulk of his career in New England. So Tom Brady looks like he's having a good time. But is he really? Does he really have the command of this team like he did in New England? Does he have that cachet like he did in New England? We see this power struggle that's happening here in Tampa Bay as well. Bruce Arians is trying to hold on to whatever, you know, power he has. And there's always this back and forth between him and Brady. It's the same issue that they had in 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 New England with him and Belichick. But the difference was is that they were winning Super Bowls. Is this Tampa Bay team honestly going to be in the Super Bowl this year? Maybe. But the odds are very low. I don't see that happening because he doesn't look comfortable. He doesn't look like this is his franchise to own. He just looks like a quarterback that's renting space. Somebody who's renting space or they have an Airbnb for a little while and then they move on. That's what it looks like to me. So is he really happy? Sometimes the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. Bill Belichick, the defensive Da Vinci, the mastermind, the greatest coach of all time. How does he look? Does he look like a happy man in New England right now? You know, he's out of that relationship that he wanted to cut ties with a while ago but now he has cam newton and cam newton has literally cost the patriots about three football games so instead of being four and five they should have a winning record right so this is the problem that things can be going better in new england but that's the difference when you had a sure thing at quarterback You were guaranteed those wins. Now when you don't have a sure thing at quarterback, you're not guaranteed anything. It's week to week. One turnover or one mistake 
or a couple bad plays in a series can literally cost you that football game. Bill Belichick hasn't been here in 20-plus years. So we've all been waiting for who's going to be more successful, who's going to have the upper advantage. Here's my take. I don't think either of them have it. I don't think Tom Brady is super successful right now in Tampa Bay. And I don't think Bill Belichick is super successful of what he's doing right now. The Patriots, they have a terrible team. They're void of talent. He has to draft better. All of these things have been true for the last four years. The difference is is that Tom Brady was the quarterback. Now, obviously, we can be able to nitpick and say that there's a lot of guys that opted out of this season. They have some injuries. This is football. Football, you're always going to have some injuries. This is the next man up. But at quarterback, when you have a sure thing at quarterback, you can actually have some deficiencies elsewhere and still be able to win. Look at Seattle. They have deficiencies everywhere. They're still winning. Why? Because they have Russell Wilson. Death taxes, Russell Wilson will make sure that he keeps you in a football game. Quarterback, stability. That's what Bill Belichick doesn't have. Now, does he miss Tom Brady? I don't think he misses Tom Brady. I think he misses the security of Tom Brady. The security of a competent quarterback. Because I had this conversation with my cousin today. I don't believe that Bill Belichick can find a good quarterback anymore. I don't think that he has the ability at this stage of his coaching career to pick good talent. You know, it's not the fact that he's never been good at it. He was good at it at one point. I just don't think that he's good at it now. So was it was it worth it to part ways? Sometimes it really isn't. But at the same time, you need to part ways to see exactly how big the void is, how big the importance of that other person is. And that's exactly what both of them are going through right now. Tom Brady doesn't have the defensive security blanket. He doesn't have Josh McDaniels to trust. He doesn't have the gadget players that he normally has in New England that works for him. He actually has young receivers now that are used to getting the ball a certain way, and he can't deliver it to them. Same thing with Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is used to Tom Brady being able to execute their type of offense. Cam Newton can't do that. Cam Newton has never been an accurate quarterback in his life. So expecting him to make tight window throws or over-the-shoulder throws or in-the-numbers throws, that's not Cam. Cam never was able to see the field well. That's why he runs all the time. He still runs. A guy with a busted up shoulder, reconstructive surgery in his shoulder, his feet, all of these things, knees. Yeah, he's still out there plodding along, running like a fullback instead of being a quarterback. This is who Cam is. 
He won't change. And Bill Belichick tied his season to this inconsistent, maybe washed-up quarterback. Now, in Bill Belichick's mind, Brady was washed up, but Brady can still play. I'll still take Brady over Cam Newton any day, twice on Sunday. So this is, this is the problem. Sometimes the grass isn't greener on the other side. Sometimes it's actually dirtier. It's actually darker or moldy and stinks. And then you have to keep looking, keep searching until you find some type of comfort level. And maybe you never get back there. Or maybe you do. Maybe you do. But my thing is that, was it too early for them to do so? Maybe they still would have ended up parting ways. But I honestly thought that Tom Brady should have stayed in New England for at least one more season. But they couldn't They couldn't deal with it. I, I get it. I get it. When you have some guy that's been your coach for 20-plus years and you can't really have a one-on-one human relationship or human conversation with the man, it, it, it weighs on you. So I, I get it. But I'm not impressed with what's going on in Tampa Bay. And I'm also not impressed about what I see in New England. So what it tells me is that both of them still need each other. And their legacies will always be tied to each other. No matter who wants to try to take more credit than the other. Oh, well, you know, they don't win without Tom Brady. Oh, well, they don't win without Bill Belichick. Oh, well, they don't win. They don't win without each other. That's the truth. That's the only truth that matters. Coming up after the break, some NBA news. Drama in L.A. On a Tuesday. It's all even. Yo, yo, what up? It's your boy DJ G Money representing that Flip the Script podcast. But listen, right now I'm listening. I'm tuned in. I'm tapped in to a brand new podcast called the All Even Podcast. With my man Barry Grant. Yo, B, what's up, man? Congrats on the new podcast. I'm listening right now. I'm tuned in. Fire. Fire. All even. We here. Let's go. Welcome back, y'all. NBA news. I keep telling y'all, man. Every time I forget about the Clippers, they just keep dragging me back in. (laughs) Montrezl Harrell signed a two-year deal with the LA Lakers. Now, he had his interview, I guess an introduction interview, to him signing with the Lakers. And they asked Montrezl if he thought that the Clippers wanted him back. And he paused. He said, you know, I'm here, so, you know, what do you think? Everybody's kind of like reading in between the lines, Obviously, everybody does that. There's nothing wrong with that. So now I'm going to do the same thing. But I'm going to do it with my purple and gold plated glasses. The Clippers decided that they don't want Montrezl Harrell. I don't think that that's actually true. I think that Montrezl Harrell decided that he's not going to put up with the nonsense anymore. 
back last year when the Clippers were playing well and you know they were second or third in the in the West. This was before you know the pandemic hit and the NBA season had to close down. They started to struggle a little bit, and you heard Harold say. You know, we got to stop talking or we got to stop behaving like we're the best team in basketball because we're not. You know, we just need to go play instead of talking. And he would always throw these little, I'm not going to say jabs. They're just like these SOSs, right? That things are not so pleasant in Clipperland. You got to think about where Montrezl has, has come from. He's a lunch pail guy. He wasn't a first-round pick, undersized big man, 6'7", 6'8", and now he found a home on the Clippers. They took the Golden State Warriors to six games. They fought hard. Then all of a sudden, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard gets there. So he's like, all right, well, you know, we're just going to be able to add these two guys and still have this same dog mentality and we'll still have, have our roles and we'll be able to to be better now granted they were better but sometimes adding talent and being quote-unquote better it's not actually better for the actual team Montrezl looked at it like you know these dudes are getting preferential treatment I get Kawhi Leonard he's a champion he's coming here he's, he, he beat Golden State He's in Toronto. They won the title. Cool. But this other dude? Why does Paul George get all this special treatment? He ain't better than me. He ain't better than Lou. He gets practices off too? He he wants to talk nonsense? He wants to talk crap? You're not Pat Bev. Pat Bev has been talking his whole life. All of a sudden, you get around Pat Bev and you got a mouth? I I don't like fake guys, man. I, I don't do that. And then the bubble came, and, you know, everybody on the Clippers didn't really want to partake in the bubble. I get it. Montrezl had his personal life rocked. His grandmother died. That was his rock. You know, she took care of him. So, of course, he's not going to be the same guy. So he decided that I'm going to take some time, and then when I'm ready, I'll go to the bubble and join the team. Came back. He wasn't in the best shape. He didn't play well in the bubble at all. Especially in the playoffs. He got dogged in the playoffs. Especially in that uh, that Denver series. And they lost. So my thing is, Montrezl looked at it like, I don't want to come back with this team and run it back. I want Paul George out of here. Because if I end up going back to this team, I'm going to punch somebody in the mouth. So I'd rather get out of the basement. I'd rather take my dehumidifier with me. I want to take my blankets. I want to take all of my first down jackets. <laughs> take my my North Face jacket because I'm tired of being in the basement. It's too cold down here. I want to go upstairs. I want to be able to ring the bell or push the elevator button, and I want to go to the third floor. I can't do that because I'm not allowed to press the button. I don't want to do that no more. So I, I made a call. Call LeBron James. Hey, let's let's work something out. Let me... Let me go over there and help y'all, man. Because I, I, I can't deal with these idiots and losers over here. Let me rock over there. And that's it. That's what I think happened. 
So the Clippers can be able to try to spin this any way they want to. Oh, well, we know Serge Ibaka is the better player, and you know we feel that he can be able to add more professionalism, and he's a bigger guy. He can shoot the three. He's a great defender. All of those things are true. But Montrez was a big piece to that puzzle for the last few years for the Clippers. Don't mistake it like he's some also-ran bum. He's the reigning sixth man of the year. All of a sudden, you don't want Montrez? This is why I will never, ever have any respect for the Clippers. The way they do business is just dirty. You just have no professionalism about them. For Montrez to, to feel this way, it got to be true, man. It got to be true. Any team that gives Marcus Morris $64 million and you looked at Montrez Harrell and was like, yeah, yeah, yeah we, we, can't, we can't give you that much money. What Are we in the upside down? So a guy that's won six man of the year, you don't want to commit to long term, but you'll commit to Marcus Morris for the next four years. Got it. <laughs> oh, my God. Basement. You belong in the basement. You guys will never get out of the basement. Why? Because you're the Clippers. It's just like the Detroit Lions. Oh, the Lions, are, they're, they're always struggling. And then somebody says, yeah, it's the Lions. Oh, my God, the Browns can't get right. What the hell's going on? It's the Browns. Oh, my God, you know, Joe Burrow, he got hurt now. Oh, my goodness, what's going on with the Bengals? It's always been the Bengals. They've never known how to deal with quarterbacks their entire existence. What are we talking about here? This is the Clippers. No matter what happens, no matter what good player they draft, they find off the scrap heap and turn into a star. They'll find a way to screw it up because why? They're the Clippers. You can put sprinkles on shit. It's not a cupcake. That's exactly what the Clippers are. It won't change. I don't care what anybody wants to say. I want Clipper Darrell to say something this year. Whoever else is a Clipper fan, I, 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 I don't know many. I think there's like two. <laughs> Joke. Moving on, Brandon Ingram, slender man, signs a five-year deal with the Pelicans worth $158 million. Kudos to the big man. I love him. He was, you know, he drafted by the Lakers, number two pick, and the guy has been phenomenal. Every year he's gotten better. His numbers have gone up every season that he's been in the NBA. That's the type of trajectory that you want to see from a young player. That's how you know that he's on a good arc to be a consistent, bona fide, all-star, superstar. He's on his way. That kid, man, as much as I hate the Pelicans, I hate him there. I love him there at the same time because he can be able to create his own star there. Being in L.A., I don't think that he was able to, he was going to be able to, to spread his wings like that. 
Although I would trade him for Kuzma in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. I'd trade Kyle Kuzma for a kid in the eighth grade. That's what I do. Kid that's just playing basketball. Give me that kid. He has more potential than Kyle Kuzma. But let me not get off course. Brandon Ingram, kudos to the big extension for Brandon Ingram. Also, too, Bam Adebayo signs a five-year, $163 million extension. It can go all the way up to $195 million. So the big man out of Kentucky, I never thought that he was going to be this good. I didn't think that he had a chance to be this good. And that this is why kids, when they get into the NBA, it doesn't matter what scouts say. It doesn't matter what people like me say. We're not them. They're the ones that are going to decide their future in regards to what type of player they are. So I love when players buck the, the, the expectation. Yeah, he's not going to be this or whatever. Or you got some guys that say, hey, listen, I saw the talent. I think that he can get here. They got it right. Bam has made himself into one of the best big men in the NBA. The Miami Heat, they got it going. They have a good team coming this year. They signed a lot of good guys. They got Goran Dragic back. They got Avery Bradley they signed, a new addition. Now they locked up their big man. Now the, and, you know, they also have plans on trying to get a particular 6'11", two-time MVP. It's a lot of things going on in Miami, a lot of positives. And Bam Adebayo signing this extension is at the top of the list. You had to do it. This is a no-brainer. Love it. Love the move. Now let's start to spin that rumor mill, shall we? Would you believe me if I said that the Lakers had something in the works for next summer or next offseason? Would you believe me if I told you that a particular two-time MVP would be considering going to the Lakers? Would you believe me if I told you that somebody who's won the Defensive Player of the Year would be interesting in teaming up with LeBron and AD? Would you believe me? I don't think a lot of you would. But I'm here to tell you that Giannis possibly, maybe, just maybe, ready to shock the world and possibly go to the Lakers. Could you imagine that happening? I like Giannis, but I've been very critical of him this year. I don't think that he did his team a service in regards to his basketball IQ or his decision-making at times. Can he get better at that? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe Giannis is better off being a second fiddle. Maybe if he teams up with somebody that's just as good as him, it would take the pressure off of him, other than, or rather than him being the guy. Would that be too far-fetched? To me, no. But he has a lot of walking it back to do if he does do that because he was a guy that said, I don't believe in super teams. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a super team guy. I don't fraternize with players. Okay. But if you end up doing this, aren't you doing what everybody else does? And listen, ain't going to be no, no I told you so or blame or pointing the finger. I'm just saying that 
there's times where youth comes into play. How people speak and you look at them, like, all right, he's just young, man. He don't he don't really understand the game. I like the fact that he doesn't like to fraternize with players. I love that. I believe that the NBA needs to get a little bit more rivalry based and get that that on court animosity back. That's when the games were really, really great. When you actually felt that both teams hated each other. Knicks and Heat. Lakers and Celtics. Bulls and Knicks. Knicks and Pacers. These particular rivalries were always like, oh my God, you know that these two teams can't stand each other. Lakers and Kings. Lakers, Spurs. All of these great rivalries. Bulls, Pistons. You, 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 just, you keep going. This is what basketball needs to be. But if Giannis decides, hey, you know, I want to team up with these guys and destroy the world, destroy the league, I'm all for it. Hey, Braun James getting older. He realizes that his time is coming up soon. Not, not in the next two years or so, but soon. So if he can be able to broker this deal, this will be the greatest gift that he'll ever give the Lakers going forward. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> i tell you one thing, though. The one team that he ain't going to is the Knicks. <laughs> ain't nobody going to no Knicks, man. Ain't nobody going to no damn Knicks. There I said it. I don't care. After the break... The greatest segment on the planet, Dummy of the Week. On a Tuesday. It's all leaving. This is a public service announcement. Down in your luck? Tired of being curved? Sick of going out with the fellas and being the only loser without a lady? Well, I got something for you. It's called Sex Panther. Legend has it that it's made out of real bits of real panther, so you know it's good. To men, it stings the nostrils. But to women, you may as well be a slab of meat in the dog pound. And that's not all it does. You could be getting ready to see that special fox and disaster hits. No money in the budget for gas, only dinner for two. No problem. The fumes from Sex Panther can give your car 38 miles to the gallon. Sold you yet? I thought so. For $69.99, go from unlovable loser to the cock in the walk. Sex Panther. 60% of the time, it works. Every time. Welcome back, y'all. So without further ado, the greatest segment on the planet, Dummy of the Week. Dummy, yeah. We pick candidates on Monday and Friday, and then we pick the winner on that Friday show. Who is our first candidate for Dummy of the Week? May I have the drum roll, please? And the candidate is Mike McCarthy, head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Mike McCarthy's my candidate for Dummy. Yeah. because before the game against the Vikings, Mike McCarthy decided to spice things up in the locker room. He decided to go Gallagher and put watermelons and put watermelons in a, you know, in a room and smash them, have the players smash them, get the frustration out, have a little fun. He even put Dalvin Cook's face on a watermelon and had Demarcus Lawrence smash it. And then 
you know, I, I you know, everybody said that they had a great time. The the white players were all, you know, it, it was so funny. It, everybody had a laugh. But my thing is this. I'm not even going to touch the racial part of this. Like, watermelons are a big no-no. Shannon went into that this morning. Shannon Sharp went into that on Undisputed. I'm not going to have that take. I'm not going to touch that. What I'm going to touch is that if you got to do stuff like this to motivate your team, <laughs> you might as well just, like, take them to Chuck E. Cheese and have them play the alligator bop game. And like, what are we doing here? Is this not a football? Like, why are players have to, why do they have to get motivated this way? This is just dumb. There's other things you could have did. You could have had, like, relays at practice and just take it back to, like, you know, playground shit. But smashing watermelons? What are they, five? <laughs> he smashing watermelons. It's so fun. It's so fun. Look at this watermelon everywhere. What are we doing, man? Mike McCarthy has lost his mind. He's like, yo, man, I'm losing so many games that I, I just got to try something. Maybe maybe some guys are like it. Maybe some guys will just be like, yo, I, whatever, man. I, uh, let's just, yeah, let, let's let's just make the head coach happy. This guy's, a, <laughs> this guy's an idiot. I'm sure, you know, he, he doesn't know how to do surprise parties or anything spontaneous with his wife and kids. It's just like, oh, my God. Dad's coming again. He's going to probably have some boring-ass game for us to play. Hey, let's flip the bottle top and see what happens. Hey, let's play quarters. Hey, like, what are you doing? You couldn't do anything else to engage your football team by doing something motivating, having somebody come in there, like Ric Flair speak to the team or, you know, something. Smashing watermelons. Ah. <sighs> I, I hate my Dallas Cowboys right now. There's so many things wrong with Dallas. And the fact that they won the game bothers me too. So they were so, you know, motivated by this watermelon fiasco that they went out and won the game for the head coach. You're supposed to be losing. Lose every game. You're supposed to be in the, the, the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. L winning a game does nothing. Lose. And lose big. Stop this nonsense. I'm on the other side of it. I don't want you guys to win any more games for the rest of the season. So stop smashing watermelons. And like I said, although I'm not going to touch the racial issue, y'all black players, man. <laughs> y'all are something else. For y'all to enjoy this and go home and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That smashing the watermelon stuff was popping, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dumbasses. So, Mike McCarthy, you may be the biggest loser right now because you're not Gallagher, and Gallagher sucks. But you're possibly a winner for Dummy of the Week. That's all for this show. I'll see you guys on Friday or Saturday, depending on how things go for the week. So, until then, stay safe, stay cool, peace. You can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at All Even Podcast. Listen to the show on SoundCloud. And check out my YouTube channel, All Even Podcast. And don't forget to share, like, and hit that subscribe button.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.